Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. You Can't Kill Stephen King is a 2012 movie that we watched on Amazon Prime. It is not rated and it's 86 minutes long which is short. On IMDb, it received a whopping 3.7 out of 10, and no other critic reviews. Well, no critic reviews, since IMDb's not critics. And the Rotten Tomato audience gave it an 11%. Is that the lowest we've seen for Rotten Tomatoes so far? Uh, no. Charlie Charlie got a zero. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it is the second lowest. Yes. Wow. Other than Charlie Charlie, that's what happened. Kind of makes me wonder if we should be checking the Rotten Tomato audience before we watch a movie. No, because the ones that they hate are ones that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Zero for Charlie Charlie. That's mm. a good movie. Yeah, it was. All right. You Can't Kill Stephen King is, surprisingly, a story sort of about Stephen King. He's not involved in any way and would never be involved with this movie. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might have, like, had someone said, hey, there's this movie that we're making about you, I could see him, like, even agreeing to play the guy sitting in the chair with his face is never on screen. That would have been funny if they did that, because it's, like, a two-second shot of his back. just his hand. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been cool. But it didn't happen. No. Although, maybe it did, because the guy credited for that is something like Guy from the Fire Station. Uh-huh. Could have been Stephen King. Who knows? You never know. Anyway, it's about a group of teens, of course, who decide to take a trip up to a cabin, of course, up in Maine, which is in a town called Encomium, which theoretically is the place where Stephen King lives, although the credits of this movie make it clear that they, that, that is not where he lives and they don't want you to think it is. They just made up this place. So they go there and they start to get murdered. And who's the killer? What's going on? Is Stephen King killing them? Maybe. We don't know. (laughs) It's a very deep question. Mm -hmm. Soli is the one who picked this movie for us. So, Soli, why? Why? (laughs) It's always the important question, isn't it? Why? What did you do? So this one... We've been looking for cheesy teen ridiculousness. Yeah. And we've struck out several times <laughs> in an effort to find that. But this one, I knew it was going to be exactly what we were looking for because it used the word campy in the in the um, yeah, description on uh, Amazon. And I am a huge Stephen King fan. I'm his number one fan. I'm his number one fan. Oh, no. What will we do? I'm going to break your legs. Oh. Oh, that was just a Stephen <laughs> King reference. You would get it if you were his number one fan. Oh, yeah, funny. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I, I like a lot of his books. His movies, eh. 
But yeah. that's because they don't necessarily follow the books, really. Anyway, that's yeah, a whole different discussion. they don't do a great job of those. But seeing Stephen King in the title, of course, made me intrigued. And um, then you pointed out that, that it was one of those movies where the director-writer is the same as, like, the lead character. Mm-hmm. And that's always a good sign. And it has two directors who are both the two lead characters. So you know it's going to be good. Wait, so the directors were Monroe and Ronnie? Ronnie? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Ronnie right. writing himself true to life, obviously. God, I hope not. So anyway, that that was that. Like, I just felt like it was going to just scratch that itch we've been having. <laughs> right. First shot, first line. Of course. Pretty simple in this one. Uh, the first shot was looking out across a lake. Like, like if you're standing on a dock or something, and you, like, look out across the lake with the camera held pretty low. It looked nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. It looked like a very nice summer day. There were, like, trees on the other side of the lake. It was all green. The sky was blue. It looked like a lake I'd want to hang out on for a summer vacation. Reminded me a little bit of home here. As long as you do it quietly. <laughs> Indeed. So I had I had a hard time with first line, though, because the first person making a sound <laughs> is a woman screaming. Yep. She wasn't actually saying anything. She was just screaming, but it was definitely part of the story, like she was running. Then the very next sound is disembodied voice, who shows up many times throughout the movie, saying, shh. Which is also not a word. Yeah, it's not actually a word. It's a sound, again. So maybe those were the first lines. If not, the first line is Lamont, as he's driving, saying, I can't read this damn map. Where the hell are we, man? Come on. Yeah, and of course, his uh, rap music was giving our Iraq War veteran flashbacks, as rap music tends to do. Well, yeah, at one point he called it your Guantanamo music. Yeah, which is a bit disconcerting. It is. It is. And and it is equally disconcerting that it was very clear that they all knew that this was happening. Like, that this music Uh triggered some PTSD in their Iraq War veteran friend, and yet Lamont regularly, every chance he got, (laughs) turned his rap music up to 11. Yeah, that seems like good friendship. There's a lot of good friendships all around in this movie. People who really get along and... This is a well-bonded group. Belong together. And (laughs) that was the fun scene was um, that opening then, right off the bat, Lamont's driving and it shows him and throws some text on the screen about how he's the token black friend and whatever else. And Mm -hmm. each one of them had their own little facts about them that it popped up their name and told you about who they were in order to claim them as a specific horror stereotype. Yeah, so there's there's the one black guy, there's the girl who doesn't know how to have fun... There's the girl who only knows how to have fun. (laughs) The creepy virgin. Yeah. The, you know, upstanding, solid citizen kind of guy. That's our Iraq War veteran. And then, like, the ex-girlfriend. I forget what else that was about her. I think that was largely it, was that she was the ex-girlfriend. And she had a heart over her eye. Yeah. And the girl who didn't know how to have fun was also the annoying younger sister of the main character. Fun fact, that's actually Monroe's sister. Not the actress. The actress is somebody else, but her real name is Hillary. So he wrote it for oh, his sister. He wrote it ab- about like, his about sister. About his sister? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Interesting. So 
that brought up one of my very, very first, like, right off the bat, I was like, oh, here's a question that I'm going to have for our podcast. Oh, boy. Through the act of putting up these description cards and very blatantly saying, like, look at this character. Look how tropey this character uh-huh. is. It seemed like they were saying, ha ha, we're doing it on purpose. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep. So what did you think of that? As a, I don't know, writing strategy? What what would you call that? Sure, we can call it that. I believe you've just fallen directly into my horror movie trap. Ha ha! Oh no! Because (laughs) I didn't actually write anything down about this, but I was thinking about it the whole time. (laughs) You were going to say you didn't actually write any notes about this movie at all. I barely wrote any notes about this movie. It's It's true. you were falling asleep on the couch. I was falling asleep. But the point is... (laughs) I had a whole discussion about this in my head that I was going to talk about exactly as you're saying, that they're calling out these tropes Mm -hmm. while actually employing these tropes, which is not clever or interesting Mm -mm. unless they actually then do something different with them. You have to subvert them if you're going to call them out in the beginning. Otherwise, all you're doing is saying, we're lazy. Look how lazy we are. (laughs) It's lampshading the lazy. (laughs) And they didn't, right? They didn't subvert any of these tropes not at all not even no. not even one the thing is i think that's on purpose i think they were like here's the tropes it'll be fun to use those tropes but if they hadn't called them out that might have worked but by calling them out and then doing that it's worse yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah like literally every single one happened like the hot girl took a shower the creepy guy spied on her <laughs> the black guy died first yeah like everything yeah and, and that was totally what they were going for. They were trying to throw in all the tropes and be like, you know, this is, this is, you can't kill Stephen King. So it's about horror, even though Stephen King doesn't do that kind of horror, but that's beside the point. It's about generic horror stuff. And so we're going to play on that, except they didn't play. They just wallowed in it. Oh, that's good. That's a good description. <laughs> We've you. seen the play on tropes done so much better in so many different examples. The Final Girls was yeah. very tropey. It was all about that. But was about subverting the tropes, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to think what else. Cabin in the Woods did the exact same thing, where even um, they didn't, I don't think they put up title cards, but they called mm-hmm. out each of these characters mm-hmm. is a trope. And then they made a whole ritual about how they have to have each of these roles. Right, in that's their what cabin. it was about. Man, I want to see that again. Yeah, yeah. You guys go watch. Go watch Cabin in the Woods. Then come back and finish this. So, with these title cards and the tropey characters, the movie starts out on a completely comedy level. Like we're going to do a spoof of slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But then as it moves along, it, that kind of falls away bit by bit and it becomes just a slasher movie. Like the characters are a little silly, but for the most part, they're trying to be serious. Like they'll they'll get really upset about things and cry and, and they'll be really scared and running. And it's not jokes anymore. It's these people really in this situation, but it's not good. It's badly done. It was... It didn't hit the right notes. Like, it definitely, I agree, it was trying to do that, and it did not inspire those emotions in me. Even when it was trying, I don't know, though. Like, there were definitely times that were trying to be funny still. Yeah, like, there were, but I'm saying a lot of it. Like, they, they put in yeah. real emotions, badly done, when they should have continued being joking. Perfect example of that. Mm. 
after they find out that Lamont has been torn apart by a wild yeah. animal at the <laughs> gas station. Right. Spoilers, it wasn't a wild animal. They all go back to the cabin and they're all sitting around sobbing. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. We haven't seen that in other movies. They actually cared he was dead, which is nice. It was, but A, I didn't really get the impression that any of them liked him all that much. Right. And, like, it didn't feel right. Like, it didn't seem to match up with their relationship. I mean, I guess the shock of somebody you know being murdered, yes. Yeah, but people would get upset. But, like, they were pretending to be super <laughs> emotional well, about it. Well, there's one character... We'll have to have a whole discussion about. But yeah, <laughs> but, for the rest of them, I know what you mean. But one of them in particular, who was it? Um, Nicole, I think. She's sitting on the couch and she's got both hands over her face. And she's yeah. like shaking with tears and sobbing, right? And it totally made me think of the time that I was in high school. And I was playing a little old lady in Arsenic and Old Lace. <laughs> and one of the scenes that we did, I was sitting with... The other girl who was playing the other little old lady whose husband was dead and she had to cry and she would put her hands over her face and lean forward and shake. <laughs> and it was so hard for me because she was laughing the whole time. Like oh, she's wow. like in hysterical laughter up on stage and I'm having to play off of that pretending that she's sobbing in front of me and I'm being all sympathetic. So like, wow, because it was she was doing it to mess with me. <laughs> But that's what it looked like to me. I'm like, she's not crying. She's laughing into her hands, pretending to cry. Yeah. And so it was high school level yeah. <laughs> sorrow. Yeah, it was. So like you were saying, it didn't seem appropriate for their relationships. And that's kind of this whole relationship thing. They didn't build up the connections between these characters in a way that worked they all kind of felt like they didn't like any of the others and they were just putting up with them. So it was like, right. And that they, they didn't together? really know each other. Like at one yeah. point, Nicole turns to Hillary and says, this is the, I actually wrote this down as one of my favorite lines. Okay. So I hear your parents are dead. That's right. Like, yes. Okay. First of all, if you're close enough to be talking <laughs> about things like that, you wouldn't just like, as you're getting ready to go wakeboarding, say, so I hear your parents are dead. And second of all, don't do that while you're getting ready to go wakeboarding. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure that was intended as comedy. That was that was one of the ones where they're like, let's, you know, make fun of the idea of these movies, how they bring up personal issues yeah. in the middle of this terrible situation or whatever it is. Not that that was a terrible situation, but... I mean, that was crazy weird, and it was funny. So I guess success if they were going for comedy. Yeah. And they kept doing that, like, through all throughout. Like, their deep, dark secrets were all just kind of, like, throwaway lines yeah. in the midst of things. Like, oh, so, like, when you got your whole platoon killed. Like, yeah. easy, easy. I want to throw in my favorite line, but I wrote down quite a few. <laughs> there were a lot. Actually, I've got two Nicole versus the Virgin comments mm, mm -hmm. first there's nicole someone get me a chair thank you now leave yep yep and then there's ronnie on the other end a different situation but him talking to her i'm sorry i didn't mean that you're hot i know yeah that was a twisted relationship yes there. it was i mean and it got worse as it went on it definitely did and they were both obnoxious 
Nicole was super annoying. She was she was definitely that character in all of these movies who thinks she's so amazing and yeah. everyone does everything for her and all the guys are, you know, salivating down their chins trying to, you know, hook up with her and whatever. She's always the one who ends up running through the woods half naked in high heels and, <laughs> yeah. you know, that she kind of thing. She didn't do that here, but yeah. She didn't, but it's that character. But Ronnie was started, not typical. No, started out typical. Yeah. Except that they were trying to have him be two different people. Like, he was two tropes in one, and they're not two tropes that can fit into the same person. In my opinion, the one trope was he was the super nerdy one who read had read every single yes. Stephen King movie. He wanted book. to read a book on vacation, Ugh. Ugh. right? So he was like supposed to be the nerdy dorky one who was a virgin. Yeah, which fine, but then he was also supposed to be the really creepy, sleazy, look in the windows, peer through the holes in the walls, sexually harassing Very all the women. Serious person. sexual harassment. In my experience, the super nerdy people who don't have social skills are not the same ones who are like kissing people without oh, permission. My gosh, like, yes. like Nicole's crying because Lamont is dead, and he goes over and is like, "I'm so sorry," and he holds her a little bit, and then suddenly he's like trying to lick her face. Yeah, that's not the super nerdy guy. And I wrote down at that moment appropriate reaction to harass her because she mm-hmm. jumped up and was like, "This is not happening. Get away from me. I don't want to be in the same house." With with you there were a surprising number of times when women in this movie said to him if you come near me again i will and then (laughs) gave some graphic description of what body part they were going to slice off or or stab like and rightfully so yeah he was not normal for like i've never seen a movie with a guy like this other than like the villain who's super creepy and like Mm -hmm. they have to kill in the end Mm mm-hmm he, he was just supposed to be this friend. He was obviously a friend of Monroe and not of anyone else. And so he was kind of brought along by him. But so bad. No, he's the kind of guy that any normal group of friends would have ostracized this person. Yeah. Like they would not let him be around because he was that. It wasn't just that he made inappropriate jokes or, you know, occasionally got a little handsy or whatever. Like the normal toxic masculinity nonsense that happens in movies. I'm even thinking like Firefly. I love Firefly, (laughs) but when Jane makes the joke, I'll be in my bunk. Like that's not an appropriate joke. It's kind of gross. And it makes people uncomfortable. It does, but it makes people laugh. Like it's, it's in, it it stays within the ha ha, our society thinks this is funny area. (laughs) Whereas almost everything that Ronnie does goes outside that box into whoa, no, you need to leave. Yeah, and um, he, I think, I, I doubt the writers put thought into this, but I think he's a sociopath because he goes through the whole movie, like, you know, Lamont's dead, everyone's sobbing, and he smiles and jokes and laughs. And they're mm-hmm. like, why are you acting like that? And he's like, I don't know, because I'm Ronnie. And mm-hmm. like every time, and he would always make jokes in the midst of everyone else being terrified and upset and angry. And like the guy's girlfriend died, ex-girlfriend. And he said, well, at least you won't have to carry her around anymore. Or whatever he said, like he cracked a joke about the guy's girlfriend having died 10 right. seconds ago. Yeah. It was some creepy stuff. So you said you don't think the authors or the writer put thought into it, but 
as you're talking about it and I'm thinking about it more, I almost think that maybe he's the character they oh, put the most thought into. Maybe, because he's supposed to be a misdirect towards the end. It is. And then at the end... Okay, so first, before we say at what happened at the end, I have to say, <laughs> I wrote multiple oh, times yeah, yeah. in my notes things like, Ronnie has to die. Well, yeah. In- when will Ronnie die? When will the bad guy get Ronnie? Kill Ronnie. (laughs) In movie terms, I agree. I was just thinking of in actual society. Like, the things he's doing are so horrendous. Yes, yes. I don't think he should die for them, but I think (laughs) he needs some kind of legal penalty to make it stop. Yes, but in, in horror movie speak yes he was the character you were hoping would get it yeah right? which is a normal thing but and here's where we're going to totally spoil the end he's the only one of them that doesn't die yeah um, well okay well it <laughs> depends on whether you sit through the entire credits or not <laughs> right <laughs> always wait for the fun part at the end yeah so at the very not at the very end at not the fun part at the end but like the end of the movie he's one of them like yeah, he is one of this joined the town this town full of people who like quiet <laughs> and have apparently been co- a- accumulated by a murderous Stephen King in order to protect his privacy yeah I guess is that so. what's happening I guess I was waiting throughout the whole movie like you, you quickly catch on that the issue here is them making noise and that they get killed for making noise but I was waiting for that to turn into it's because Stephen King wants things to be quiet so he can do his writing. Like, they never really said that, even mm-hmm. though like, it's kind of implied, you know, mm-hmm. that's what the town's about. But, I mean, like, I needed that to be a thing. Like, have Stephen King come out, a terrible impersonator of him, I assume, and be like, Dang you kids, you're interrupting my writing, so now I have to run you over with a lawnmower. Yeah. And Ooh. that just didn't happen. Oh, right, he could. He totally could I didn't even mean to make a reference. <laughs> Well, that's the wonderful that's thing I want to do. about all the, the. That's the wonderful <laughs> thing about how many stories Stephen King has written. Every conceivable possible way to murder somebody has been done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so so Ronnie ends up as the sheriff of this town, and so like your theory that he is a sociopath play, fits really well with that. And yeah. So it's possible that this all was very very intentional, but it it went to a place to a level in a way that I wasn't ready for or interested in, given how they had set it up as a comedy, right? Yeah, right. It went way too dark, particularly with this one line. Don't worry, I'll corroborate the story, but you let me keep it cool. Yes, that was some Kavanaugh nonsense right there. Right? Like, sure, buddy, you're my friend. I am happy without you even asking me to cover up what I think is you having committed murder as long as you make sure that I get to have sex with this girl who very clearly does not want to have sex with me. Yeah, that's like three different directions oh, of pure evil. That's it was it horrible. was so bad. And lately in particular, I have reached a point in my own personal tolerance of things like that that like if we're watching stand-up comedy and mm-hmm. somebody goes to a place where I'm like, "Nope, see now you're just laughing about it. You're not lampooning it." Like yeah. I'm all about dark humor as long as it's making the right point, but if it's not making the right point, I shut it off. I'm like, "I'm not giving you my yeah. attention." Well, there's plenty of other options. So many other options. 
this was a point where I almost was like, you know what? Nope. We're done with this movie. We'll find something else. Yeah, that it was, was that bad. That was bad. In regards to how he was written, the latter half of the movie has him set up as like a, uh, you think he's going to be the killer. Not mm-hmm. necessarily, but they that mm-hmm. that's a possibility. And that's actually something they did well. They they actually kept him out of the room, busy doing other things, inappropriate things, mm-hmm. all the time, so that he was always potentially possible as the killer throughout the whole movie. And that was properly done. And mm-hmm. then, of course, in the end, he turns out not to be. And instead, he just loves the killer and doesn't right. want... Right, and he actually <laughs> protects him. Like, there's yeah. a point when Monroe is going to get yeah. who we assume is Stephen King... Because it's never actually said. Or, yeah, no, not it's, Stephen it's King. Not, it wasn't. Though. It was one of the townspeople, right? But they knocked his glasses off and you're, you're supposed to think it's Stephen King, which we did. Sure. Monroe's about to kill him and, like, put an end to all of this. And Ronnie stops him. So at the end, I actually wrote so much misdirection. Like, uh-huh. like for a while, I was like, it's Ronnie. No, nope, it's going to turn out to be Monroe. And he's had like some, I had that thought some too. break because of his PTSD. And he's actually been killing all these people. But no, maybe it's really Stephen King. But oh, no, I think it's Ronnie. Like, mm-hmm. for about five minutes, I cycled through who the possible killer was multiple times. Yeah, and I mean, they kind of did that. Well, and mm-hmm. of course, the ending twist is Ten Little Indians, right? Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, I guess. But isn't it also Ten Little Indians? Yeah, I think, I think so. So one trick pony. Are you trash? Are you bagging on <laughs> Agatha Christie? <laughs> Agatha Crispies. <sighs> no, you you be nice to my girl Agatha. She was awesome. Okay. <laughs> but yes, it it is definitely the. It wasn't a single killer. It was everyone working together. Like in the end of Clue when he said, they all did it. Mm. At least one of the endings. So that was kind of a funnish twist ending. But I actually think if we had somehow made it be Monroe, that would have been more interesting to me. And it would have involved him. That would have been involving like some unreliable narrator stuff where, mm-hmm. you know, this person who kept killing people was imaginary and he was there. Except... He wasn't. In the beginning, he couldn't have been there because he was on the boat. But other ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting because one of my other questions was, what would have been a better story here? You know, we like to rewrite these movies to what we think would have been better. I liked when Ronnie accused... Monroe and his sister Hillary of being the killers together. That was pretty cool. For a while, I thought that was going to be but the real thing. Again, that was impossible because mm-hmm. they were both on the boat. So mm-hmm. basically, they they had already whittled it down to Ronnie only from the very beginning of the movie. I mean, other than other people. There was even a moment when Ronnie's like, we have to go down to the basement and I have to research using your grandparents' Stephen King collection. Uh-huh. And Hillary's like, why do our grandparents have a Stephen King collection? <laughs> and I thought, very briefly, is it their grandparents doing all of this? Oh, that, like... <laughs> now see, that would be fun. Maybe it is. Maybe they are the ones who are working at the diner. Maybe, except they didn't <clears throat> seem to recognize Hillary and <laughs> Monroe true. when they came through. I don't know. So we've talked about our least favorite character. Yes. Do you have a favorite character? I want to say like somebody weird, like the the creepy guy at the docks who they called old timer, who was like sixteen. <laughs> he was. That was funny. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Oh, connected to that or related to that, they kept calling Monroe. Well, they called all of them kids, you kids. Yeah. And then Monroe, like the, the <laughs> sheriff, the original sheriff, kept calling Monroe's son. Like, you know, you be careful, son. Monroe was easily 35. <laughs> yes. And hanging out with all these 18-year-old girls. Yeah. So I wanted it to be like that creepy guy, but I didn't like how he was done. I didn't like how any of the creepy people were done. They were just not cool. So, I mean, I think the only time I felt like I liked someone in this movie, and I, it, it's not liking them as a person, was Nicole when she said some of those lines I mentioned earlier. was like, mm. that's funny, that's amusing and interesting. It made her a horrible person, but that's the closest that anyone came to being a likable character for me. Now, see, I actually found Hillary likable. Oh, I suppose. Like, for real. Like, she was she was a pretty level-headed, decent person. Yeah. She didn't shine a lot in the movie because she didn't have some sort of crazy personality weirdness that was standing out and that was another flaw in the movie because she was listed as the black hole of no fun or something like that which which is totally a character in these movies you know the one who just wants to sit and read their book so to speak Uh uh-huh and drags everyone down and won't go exploring in the cave with them where they Mm -hmm. all get murdered and that kind of thing and she wasn't she totally hung out with them and went woohoo on the boat and was wakeboarding so it's like she was a non-character she 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 just acted like a normal person she's just regular yeah yeah so i i think i liked her the best yeah how did she die she got she was up remember they set up the trap for the bad guy and they were like Oh, creating yes, a Stephen King death, and so she's up on the hay loft, not paying any attention, even though that was her job. Right, just you know, staring blankly over the edge, and and she got pushed, and yeah, I remember that. I don't think that was a fall that would have killed her, though. Well, maybe she's the killer now. <laughs> <laughs> she joined the town, also. So I have another connection. Oh my to word! This, movie. this is your life in pictures. It, it is. So, during the scene in the barn where Hillary fell off the hayloft, uh-huh. Monroe is down at the bottom with a pitchfork waiting for the bad guy. And he's going to, like, stab the bad guy. Uh-huh. Anytime a pitchfork shows up in a horror movie, it reminds me of what I think was a Twilight Zone episode that I mm. watched when I was too young to be watching twilight zone yeah and i know i was too young because it is indelibly burned into my brain yeah where the story was that this there was a guy and a girl and they were in love and i think her dad didn't like it or whatever and i don't remember the whole story i just remember that for some reason the guy decided to dress up like a scarecrow oh that's not a good story no and the girl ended up pitchforking him for whatever reason. Yeah. Because she could claim she did it by mistake. <laughs> That's why. It was horrifying. Yeah. And so now anytime I see a pitchfork in a horror movie, or even in real life, I kind of have this like traumatic flashback to this yeah. scene that I saw when I was too young to see it. Yeah, I get no flashbacks about pitchforks, but anytime I see one in real life, I'm like, like I don't even want to be near it. That's a tool of the devil. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and it's so dangerous and so scary. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a, in kitchens, anybody who has oh, a, what is it called? A mandolin. A mandolin. 
Nope, nope, nope. So this movie is supposed to be referencing Stephen King a lot. That's like a whole thing. Mm, the, yes. Their boat is called Christine, and each of the deaths is theoretically based on something that happened in a Stephen King story. I mean, if you can trust Ronnie, yeah. they all were. He knew a lot of like deep track Stephen King stuff, well, too. Like They were talking about it and uh, you know the stuff that everybody knows. One of them was one of the shorts in Night Shift. Yeah. I mean... I know. And that's a thing I have a theory about. So what did you think about these Stephen King references? Uh, I don't... I don't know. I mean, I guess I just assumed that the people who wrote this movie were (laughs) Stephen King fans. And, you know, it was something they knew stuff about and could reference fairly easily like they could use it to write the story and you know i mean was it fun or was it i i kind of enjoyed it i i always like when there's references that i get and since i like stephen king a lot there were i got more of them like when the two kids were playing with the ball (laughs) and like like the way they left from the doorway i was like oh the shining so i i guess i kind of liked it yeah how did you feel about it i had an issue all right tell us but i also liked it like i mean that's a fun Thing. Like the boat being named Christine is nothing impressive, but it's all the little things like that were fun. But the problem I had, and this may not be a legitimate problem, is that the the references they made were basically there were maybe four or five references to The Shining to the movie version of The Shining. I might add, it felt like to me. Except it also looked like he was reading like a graphic novel version of The Shining. <laughs> well, that was just the cover. It was words inside, but yeah, he was reading the book of The he Shining. He was reading like the the Reader's Digest <laughs> condensed version. That's right up his alley there. Yep. But it was The Shining a whole bunch of times, and I think the movie version because you know there were things like "Here's Ronnie" or mm-hmm. or he didn't say "Here's Ronnie" because he wasn't Ronnie. He said. I don't know. No. He referenced that. I feel like he did say Ronnie because he did. It's supposed to be here's Johnny. Yeah. Maybe he said where's Ronnie. I don't know. That sounds good. Maybe he said where's Ronnie. Anyway, stuff like that. They referenced The Shining a whole bunch. And then there was the, you know, the one Christine thing. And then it seemed like everything else was, like you said, super duper deep tracks. Like some things I had never heard of. And if I ain't heard of it, it ain't Stephen King. (laughs) Um, And then the Beach World one, uh, the... About an astronaut who gets that one I didn't swallows recognize. sand. I totally did. I remember that story very well. Huh. But it is insanely deep tracks. Yeah. And so there's two ways to look at it. Either these people are very uh, big Stephen King fans. They're really digging in and doing what they can. But what it felt like to me was that they're not Stephen King fans at all. And they were just Googling stuff and coming up with... They're like, well, that, here's one. You know, let's, let's find some of his short stories and get a synopsis there and do it. Theory. Yes. Maybe their grandparents have a Stephen King collection and they were flipping <laughs> through, through the back of some of yeah. the books. Because that's what bothers me is that they went so deep when there's so much kind of well-known popular things. They did have Pennywise for a moment, but, yeah. you know, like just all Or the even things. that middle ground where it's right. like... Like, people who consider themselves Stephen King fans, like myself, would recognize. Yeah. Whereas I miss the really deep track stuff. Yeah, some of these things were beyond me. The latter one, I didn't know. Yeah. I I feel like that is a valid theory, actually. Yay! Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings! So, this year, I've really been trying to rate these movies based on how much I enjoyed watching them. Uh-huh. 
whether I feel like I wasted my time watching them or not, yes. right? Like, do I wish I could get those minutes back or was it enjoyable or did I really, am I, am I super glad? Like, that's the range I'm looking for. There's so much to dislike about this movie. Like, there were so <laughs> many negative things that we said. I feel like our, our faithful listeners are going to be a little surprised to hear me say five. that I am not giving it a five. <laughs> But then I'm going to give it like a three and a half novellas oh. out of five. I I enjoyed watching it. It was, you know, I love to hate things. And yes. this was a movie that gave me a lot of opportunity to hate. <laughs> it made me laugh several times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Monroe is carrying the body of his ex-girlfriend after <laughs> she she's died. So hard. He drops her and somehow, I don't know, she lands on something spiky, or I don't yeah, know exactly they, they what happened. really cut it super fast. But blood, like, goes spurting onto uh, Nicole's face, and Nicole freaks out. And it was so <laughs> campy. It was campy perfect indeed. campiness. And it made me belly laugh. It yes. was so unexpectedly stupid <laughs> in the middle of what was starting to be the more serious yeah, part of the movie. I wish they hadn't done serious. Right? I wish that they had subverted the tropes because then I would have been I would have really been on board with the cards explaining how stereotypical they all were. Yeah. I wish that they had either been lampooning these tropes in particular Ronnie and like really been like look what a jerk this guy is. He's a terrible person. Or they had not gone as far. Like maybe, you know, just let him be this stereotypical jerk and and it would just be the regular old trope for the movie. Not quite lampooning him, but then letting him say that really horrific thing about, you know, that Monroe was going to give him Nicole. There was too much of a disconnect there. I couldn't quite get a grip on how I was supposed to be appreciating this movie. And that affected the appreciation some. But Overall, I really did appreciate it. So, three and a half. Very interesting and surprising. I had that same problem where I didn't know how I was supposed to appreciate it because, like I said a long time ago, it started out very comedic and started getting very serious, mm-hmm. campy still, but in a serious tone instead mm-hmm. of joking, which was strange. For me, though, the biggest thing is that Ronnie guy. Ronnie killed this movie. I mean, I it's hard to recommend that anybody watch this movie because he was disgusting and like played in a way that kind of felt like they were okay with that. He's just our unpleasant friend. Boys will be boys. Indeed. Put him on the Supreme Court. It still overall felt pretty fun. It was not a good movie, just to be clear. (laughs) It was a very bad movie, and I enjoy bad movies. So I'm not going to rate it as high as you did. I'm going to give this 2.5 novellas out of five it was almost painful listening to you try to come to a score there like it's always painful to hear what i have to say (laughs) that's not what i'm saying but it i i can relate to that because this movie was hard to rate yeah because it was so all over the place it was hard to settle on which piece of it to give the rating for right crazy crazy but i can't wait till our next movie So exciting! I can't wait to find out what it will be. Let's go!
just ran out of the 